Eagles Entertainment. Our thing is uh, everybody's somebody. And, and most people don't know how well they can do something until they really test themselves. In 1976, Coach Dick Vermeil landed in Philadelphia. The young coach was now responsible for one of the worst teams in the NFL. Jimmy Murray said, Coach, you come and turn this program around, you'll be bigger than John Wayne in Philadelphia. That's what he says. That's exactly what he said. 46 years later, Coach Vermeil is a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But Vermeil was not an overnight success. This season on Return Game, Coach Vermeil, presented by Novacare Rehabilitation, we're taking you through the twists and turns of his legendary career. We go back to the beginning, Hillsdale High School and UCLA. First saw Dick Vermeil as our coach in the summer of 1960 for summer practices. And it was obvious from the very beginning that this was going to be a new experience. Players win games, not coaches. We were uh, going into the Rose Bowl, the uh, biggest underdog, I think, in the history of the Rose Bowl. To his years with the Philadelphia Eagles. That was a hostile place that the Cowboys walked into. I was taking my headset off, you know, and the game is over, I'm like this, and all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose. And I can remember Coach Vermeil on the sideline, walking up to guys and hugging them and saying, we're going to the Super Bowl. I said, Len Jim, I'm just burnt out. I need to take a break. Then, after 15 years away from the sideline, he returns to coach the Rams. I was so confident. This football team was unbeatable. I thought we caught some lightning in the bottle, I'm gonna be honest with you. I remember looking up and seeing a big billboard that said, good luck coach, and had Dick Vermeil's face on it. He finally reached the mountaintop, but he just couldn't walk away. I started thinking, oh God, maybe I made a mistake. And I just remember seeing this little gray-haired, white-haired man with glasses on TV, crying at the podium all the time. Every week he'd come running out of the tunnel at the end and he'd run up the sidelines and he'd always wave up to the booth to Carol. Over six episodes, it's an in-depth look at Coach Ramil's life, career, and legacy. Hear stories from Coach Ramil, Randy Cross, Herm Edwards, Ron Jaworski, Isaac Bruce, Kurt Warner, Dante Hall, and many, many more. If you work real hard and invest a lot of hours in getting better and you're an unselfish person and you do what you're asked to do as hard as you can do it every day on the practice field, well, Sunday it becomes just part of your personality. Subscribe now so you don't miss a minute of Return Game, Coach for Meal, presented by Novacare Rehabilitation. Listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right. Another day, and the Eagles are one to zero as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number four hundred eight. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Greg Cosell to share our thoughts on what we saw from the Eagles in their Week One victory over the Detroit Lions. Run game, outstanding. A.J. Brown set records. The defense had some really great stretches, obviously some inconsistencies as well, and we'll cover it all and more here in today's show. Before we get there, a couple things I want to make sure we hit on. Number one, head on over to Apple Podcasts. If you have a question about this Eagles football team, now's the time. You could jump right to the front of the line. Leave a question in the comment box over on our Apple Podcast page. 
If you've got questions about what you saw here in week one, now's the time. Jump in. We'll get to it in our episode later this week. And also, you can just throw us your support in the meantime. Appreciate everybody that has left us reviews and comments and questions over the last few weeks uh, here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Also, be sure to go check out the Journey to the Draft podcast. Myself, Ben Fennell, Dane Brugler. We just broke down everything we saw in week two in college football. Week three is on the horizon. There were some big matchups here this weekend, a bunch of upsets in college football, three top teams lost. Who were some of the winners and losers from this week in college football? Jump on the Journey to the Draft podcast wherever podcasts can be found. That said, uh, excited to talk through what we saw here on Sunday afternoon uh, from the game. Eagles, Lions, let's break it down. Chalk Talk with Greg Cosell. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, well, excited to welcome back into the studio my friend Greg Cosell from NFL Films. And Greg, uh, the Eagles start uh, 1-0 uh, here in 2022 with a big win on the road against the Detroit Lions. A little scary at times, especially towards the end in the second half. Uh, but for the most part, uh, a really impressive win. Some good things to take away on both sides of the, of the ball. And we will start uh, on offense and talk through uh, this. So we'll start with the Eagles pass game and Jalen Hurts. Just general thoughts walking away. Obviously, you know, uh, some good individual plays uh, from Jalen in this game. You know, I think there's two things to me that really stand out about Jalen Hurts. And, you know, you know, I think we all know at this point in his career, and he's working toward that, and I know the coaching staff is working with him very hard. I don't think anybody would say that right now he's a pinpoint passer play after play. But there's a couple of things that happen every game that are really, really important. Number one, he makes important plays with his legs. Yep. And that really impacts how a defense ultimately plays. And the Lions really struggled with that. You know, obviously, you go into a game against Jalen Hurts with the idea that you do not want him to beat you with his legs. But he does. And he seems to do that pretty consistently. And the other thing that's really important is he doesn't turn the ball over. You know, obviously, he will. Every quarterback does at some point. But Jalen is not a quarterback that turns it over much at all. Mm. And I think that really compensates for the fact that occasionally he'll miss some throws. And when I say miss some throws, he might miss a throw with lack of precise ball placement or he might miss a throw that he doesn't turn loose, that you and I might see the film and say, hey, we feel maybe he should have thrown that ball. Yep. You know, But when you don't turn it over and you've got a solid run game and now you have a, a – core of receivers with clearly a special receiver in A.J. Brown. And by the way, Jalen's best throw of the game was that fade ball to Brown down the right sideline where, you know, Brown, who's not a burner, did not. it wasn't as if he had a step or two on it. I believe it was Walt Harris who would come in at that point because he was kind of um, – uh, he played a few snaps for Okuda. Yep. Um, it was one of the few times that uh, Amani Arurie was not on A.J. On Brown. Brown they, yeah. they pretty much did that matchup throughout the game. Yes. And that was one of the few times he was not on A.J. Brown. But the point is, it was a beautifully thrown ball and a critical throw at that moment in the game. So he's capable of making those throws. Um you know, we can talk in a little more detail, but I also loved a third and two play to to Dallas Goddard, which is a play I know you've broken down. I think you did it last year. Yeah. It's kind of a staple third and short play no that relies as well and or takes advantage of Jalen Hurts' legs yeah. and forces the defense 
in conflict. Yeah, typically what you'll see is a kind of a two-man route concept and uh, built into within the structure of an RPO. Right. And so you've got uh, the run game element, not just with the back, but also with Jalen. But then you've got that two-man route concept that typically has some kind of rub element uh, to it. And you get Dallas Goddard uh, working underneath. They ran something similar a little bit later with uh, with Zach Paschal on his third down right. conversion. No, I remember uh, that play. into the flat. Yep. So uh, some very similar uh, play concepts there. So you take advantage of two things, really, you, of a zone read look yep. and an RPO look. Yep. And then you end up throwing the ball on the flat. And because third and two, which it was, is a man-to-man situation, you know the outside receiver, and I forget who the outside receiver was on that play. Yeah. But he went inside, and because it's man-to-man, you know that his corner is going to go inside with him. And it put Mike Hughes, the, who was the slot corner, it really put him in conflict. If memory serves, too, I believe that might have been the play they ran on the Jalen Hurts touchdown run, uh, which was the second touchdown of the game, I believe, uh, where Jalen walked fourth in the down end play? zone. Uh, yeah. Yes, the fourth the down fourth play. Down I believe play, yes. they had, they were running some yes. kind of two-man route concept yeah. to that side. But that was and, a but, run all the way. Yeah, I think, again, yes. it's just like the threat of yes, that being yes, there yes. Uh, is, again, you know, just one of the big staples uh, of that play concept. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think when you look at Jalen, um, you know, number one, his ball security and his willingness to – uh, to make sure he's always protecting the football. He's constantly stressing that uh, with the way that he plays, and I think that's very important. Uh, but also, when you look at his ability to create, there are a number of plays where either the defense won, the, maybe the Eagles busted a protection up front along the offensive line, uh, you know, where you have the ability, all right, well, we, we need someone to go make a play. It's third and 10. It's third and 15. It's third and six. Jalen was able to pick up seven in that situation. Right. He was able to pick up 11 in right. that situation. Right. And so, um, you know, those plays uh, th- those plays do count, uh, and they definitely help, help the Eagles to victory. I don't know if they win the game without some of those scrambles. No. Uh, I think we'd be remiss, though, because you and I both know that Nick Sirianni, Shane Steichen, and Brian Johnson will be working with Jalen this week on just recognizing where pressure's coming yep. from. You know, that's what coaches do. You know, they're going to be doing that. So we're not saying anything at a school. They're going to be working with that. Yep. And and I thought, too, and you notice this around the league, no matter how experienced offensive lines are, and the Eagles have arguably the best offensive line in football, but one thing I've noticed because I've gotten a chance to look at – uh, not obviously not everything. It's only Monday night that we're doing this, but at a number of games already. And I, I would say offensive line play is always a little bit behind defensive pressure early mm. in the season. Maybe the cohesion. Right. And I thought that the Eagles' offensive line at times struggled with some of the pressure concepts, and that'll be cleaned up over time. You know, I talked to my, to my buddy Roger Pollard, who works on the show with me, has for years and years the NFL matchup show, and we always talk about how it seems like defense is a little bit ahead of offensive line play mm. for the first two, three weeks of the season. Yeah, you compare it to me, like, uh, with secondary play. You know, there, there's so much communication involved and feel, uh, especially with, you know, playing zone defense, right. which is the majority of the league plays at this point. Uh, and, you know, if you don't have all of those things uh, in order, if you don't have all the I's dotted and the T's crossed, uh, that'll, that'll lead to some no, breakdowns. No, because in zone, there's a lot of gray areas. Exactly. And if, and if the gray areas from a corner and a safety don't match up, yep. there can be a big play. No doubt. Yeah. Well, let's get through uh, some things with A.J. Brown because obviously a, a record-setting day yep. uh, for the new Eagles receiver, uh, an Eagles record, 155 yards in his debut. Uh, it was a career high for A.J. Brown. It's high to career high uh, that he did last year in Tennessee, and he did it at all three levels. You, you mentioned the, the vertical throw down the yep. field. Uh, we saw a bang eight in there. We saw an intermediate crosser. We saw screens. We saw quick yep. slants. So uh, doing it at all three levels of the field, again, I think that just kind of speaks to uh, we, what the skill set is with A.J. Brown and how he can impact this offense. And I think the area where he's so special is between the numbers, between the hashes. Yeah. Because when he catches the ball there, he is so good run after catch. He's tough to bring down. He's tough to bring down. Um, 
he didn't have to make it maybe just one in this game, if memory serves me correctly, where he had a really catch through contact. Yep. But he's tremendous catching through contact. He's physical. He's competitive. Um, while you wouldn't call him naturally explosive, I think he's a little juicier than people think. Mm. He's one of those guys who just, you know, like I said, you don't look at him and go, wow. But he's 225. But, but I was just going to say that, but yeah. he's big. Yes, yeah. yes. And that's, uh, I think that's the big thing. Yeah. So you're, you're a guy with that kind of speed at 225. Yep. Uh, really, really impressive. Um, to me, too, you know, just looking at, because uh, a lot of the big discussion today is, oh, well, what about Devontae Smith? Uh, you know, and so uh, watching on some of those routes and just watching the level of Devontae Smith, he still saw separation there. Uh, on the big play to, to A.J. Brown down the right sideline, the 52-yarder, Jalen very easily could have thrown that ball to Devontae on the other side because Devontae got great separation <coughs> right. down no, the left sideline. Yes. Uh, you know, there was a, a catch that uh, that Devontae had that came back due to a Jordan Mailata holding call uh, where he got great separation. So I think, uh, you know, one-game sample – Next week, very easily could be a Devontae Smith week. When yeah, we're and, here and a week same with now. Dallas Goddard. Exactly I mean, I think right. You'll see Dallas Goddard be a big factor. And, you know, I think what, what we hope is the Eagles become a really, really good offense. Yep. And I think really, really good offenses don't necessarily depend on one guy every single week. Yep. You know, we don't want to get caught in a situation where, hey, if A.J. Brown's not having a big game, that the Eagles' pass game gets shut down. And I don't think it will be yeah. because I think there's a lot of good schematic structure to what they do in the pass game. Yep. You know, we didn't really see much yesterday of the three-level stretch flood concept that we're so used to seeing. Uh, and maybe I'm missing something, but I don't really remember one of those. No, they um, ran they ran one of the scissors concepts early. Right. So one of the, on one of Jalen's first scrambles. It might have been the, the second play of the game right. uh, where you had Jack Stoll. Because I was actually surprised. They ran a decent amount of 12 personnel early in this yes. game. And you saw a lot of those uh, closed formations with both tight and ends And then they uh, ended up going more to 11. Exactly, yeah. as the game went on. Um, but it was one of the first YY sets that I noticed with both tight ends lined up next to each other. Uh, and they ran both guys vertically. I think it was Goddard ran the sale and, uh, right. and Jack Stoll around the post, um, but outside of that, they didn't really run anything they, where you would count as a true three level. No, no, and, and you will see that. I yeah. mean, clearly that's part of what they do. You and I have talked about that for you know the last couple of years, and yeah. it's, it's a staple, and it'll be back. It's just the way the game played out. Um, it was an A.J. Brown game, and he obviously had the big game. Uh, run game, uh, obviously another big facet yeah. of the Eagles offense. One of my favorite stats, and we, it kind of just clicked with me as I was uh, doing the post-game show last night, uh, Four different guys obviously reached the end zone on the ground. So you got Boston Scott, Jalen Hurts, right. uh, Miles Sanders, and Kenny Gainwell. Gainwell. Three of those guys averaged at least four yards a carry. Two of those guys ran for 90. So again, just kind of speaking right. for uh, to the versatility of this run game and how much you have to prepare for. Again, in this game, we saw gap concepts. We saw zone concepts, uh, inside, outside. You'll always uh, see, the yeah. read The read concepts with the quarterback. So all of these different things you have to prepare for as an opposing And defense. I think, was it the first series that Gainwell was split out and was incomplete? Yep, it was a, a third down. They went with a— They went um, empty. They went empty, and they ran a little wide receiver slip screen, and it was knocked down. He was number finish. one to yep. the boundary, yep. to the twin side. And I think you'll see more of that. I think so. I, I was glad to see Gainwell play. I don't know the number of snaps offhand, but I, he was clearly a part of the offensive game plan. Yeah, I mean, he was there when they went two minute uh, at the end of the yep. first half. He was the two minute back. Yep. Uh, we saw him catch a number. He was targeted a couple of times. He ran a, a couple of angle routes over the middle of the field. It's just again, kind of going back to things we've seen from camp. Uh, all of these guys are going to be a factor. No question. Uh, we saw Miles Sanders and Boston Scott in, in the four minute drill at the end of the game. They they kind of salt the game away. Uh, obviously, that big run by Miles. Actually, uh, Miles had one of his better games uh, of his. 
career, I thought, in terms of just running the football. He finished, I believe, was 98 yards I rushing. Th- on 13 carries, which, when all said and done, given the fact that he has had durability issues, yep. I think that's probably where they'd like to see him. You know, maybe there's a game here and there he might get 18 carries depending on the game. Yep. There might be a game he gets nine carries depending on the game. But I don't think they probably see him, given Gainwell and Scott, as a guy you're feeding every single week. Yeah, I think, too, Like when I look at uh, the way that Miles played in this game and the way that he ran the football, just kind of reflecting on some of his biggest games, typically when he has a big game, you typically see that with a 78-yard run, right, an 80-yard right. run. Uh, well, he had the two 24-yarders in this game. Right. Well, that's the thing is he had the two 24s, right. yeah. um, but this was actually uh, the uh, – he had 7.38 yards per attempt, but it wasn't like, oh, man, you know, he had that one huge run right. that set it over. Uh, and so I thought that that was big. It was just that uh, you saw some good chunks on the ground, but it wasn't like, oh, you know – he had one for 78, and then it was 12 for 25. Right. Uh, I thought that he was really steady throughout no, the game. No, I agree with decisive. that. I agree with that. Yeah, the, my favorite was a, uh, the 24-yarder uh, that you had mentioned. Um, really patient. Which one? Line of scrimmage. Uh, the first or the it second It was the one, one running to the right side, the first one. Okay. Uh, not the one as they salted the game away. Yeah. Uh, he, so it was a perimeter run. It looked like it might have been an RPO, and, and right. Jalen was uh, reading something play side. But he gives the ball to Jalen or to Miles. Miles is slow playing this, and he's, he's uh, pressing the line of scrimmage slow. Uh, Malcolm Rodriguez, the linebacker for Detroit, who I thought was outstanding. In this yeah, game, he, the rookie he, linebacker yeah. was really, really good. But he presses the line of scrimmage inside, and he plays basically. Miles plays peekaboo with him. It ends up right. going through the hole, following Jason Kelsey and going out the front door. So uh, I thought that was a really strong run from Miles. And overall, like I said, uh, I thought he ran well in this game. No, I agree. I agree. It was it was a solid offensive performance. Um, I know that Jalen himself said after the game that he didn't think it was up to you know the standard he'd like it to be. Yep. And I think that's a fair statement. You know, they did score thirty eight. Obviously, one was a um, defensive touchdown. But you know, I, I would say that overall, I. I I know that Jalen Hurts believes that that despite his connection with A.J. Brown, that the pass game can overall be even better. I know he believes that. Uh, I don't want to like pat ourselves on the back and come off that way uh, here on the show. I I was glad to see the Lions play the way defensively the way we thought they would a week ago. We said they'd be aggressive. We said they'd be aggressive. We we said that they played more man coverage than they did a a year ago, and that's exactly the way they play. They they were very, very aggressive. That's the way they want to play. Yes. Yes. I I thought that that was just good, just that uh, seeing exactly, because we talked about it on Eagles Game Plan and here on the podcast. So uh, just kind of getting that. Well, you get a feel for, you know, the key thing is that, like you say, where it's not to pat ourselves on the back, but you get a feel for coaches. Like you know, I know how Aaron Glenn wants to play yep. based on his background. Yep. And obviously, you and I discussed the fact that last year, basically playing with street free agents in the secondary, uh, that he probably didn't feel he could do that. But now he felt with Okuda and uh, a Warrior at corner. Mm. Um, you know, Okuda was the third pick in a draft. Warrior, I believe, was a second round pick, who's six one, six two, and you know, good size. Yep, big physical uh, corner. Big physical corner that he can line up and and pressure a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, I think that that was um, definitely one of the big takeaways for me in this game was yeah. just the Detroit's aggressiveness uh, throughout their, the course of their scheme and it posed uh, a little bit of a problem at times. It did. No, yeah. I mean, they, look, they they had to they had to have answers uh, the Eagles for what they were doing from a pressure standpoint. Yeah. A lot of double mug a looks double and mugs. Bringing, bringing edge pressure yeah. um, from the second and third level, uh, and you saw a lot of really good coverage rotations where, especially on third down. A lot of different versions of man coverage. You saw straight cover one where it was a five-man rush and man coverage across the board. You saw one robber. We saw two man. So you saw all those different versions of of, uh, of man coverage that the Eagles had to sort through. Yeah, and one thing I've sort of learned in talking to a lot of coaches over this summer trying to learn more about defense is sometimes the – 
what looks like one robber is is they don't classify it right. that way. Yep. You know, it it really is kind of a match zone with with the can get tricky. At yes, time, so I know. So not. and and that's the thing that slows me down watching tape because sometimes I get caught up in watching one play trying to figure it out, and I'll never figure it out because I'm not in their meeting rooms. Yep, you know exactly, and that's what makes it yeah. tough. Um, real quick, let's go over to the the other side. Yeah, there's a lot of discussion about uh, the defensive performance and um, not necessarily a tale of two halves, but obviously, look, the the, the Lions get the ball. They go down, they score a touchdown. After that, it's three straight three and outs and a pick six. So really dominant play right. uh, from the Eagles defense. And then after that, the Lions were able to drive the football uh, and find the end zone a number of times and really put themselves uh, in position to try and win the game right. uh, late on Sunday. So to me, one of the big things, I think, looking at the run defense, and I, I would love to talk this through with you. We haven't, we haven't had a chance to talk about it. Give credit to the Lions, right? I mean, it was a bunch of traps and whams. Uh, their their counter run was really, really good for them in this game. So finding ways to to have moving pieces up front. They had a multiple uh, create run game, some good by the seals. way. Yeah, create some good seals yeah. up front, uh, space for Swift uh, and Jamal Williams to be able to work. To me, like a lot of these big plays, outside of that first big one, the second play of the game, the 50-yarder for the, Swift. Which was a wham. Yeah, yeah a lot of those like second and long, third and long, and look, that they got the Eagles at that yeah. point. And that's well, you tip of the gap, tip of the cap to them. Um, but I think it's it's not as it's not as easy as saying like, oh man, the Eagles just got gashed. First down, first down, first down. To me, it didn't feel that way watching it on film. Well, I think we have to start at the beginning, and we will, you know I know we want to talk a little bit about the, the upcoming matchup. Yes, but I think you do have to start at the beginning. There's a general sense now because I, I you know I speak to coaches and I get a sense of how they start to think mm-hmm. that. The, the priority now defensively is to stop the pass first. Yep. So the old school, it all starts with stopping the run, is not, you know, I'm sure there are some coaches who still believe that, but the feeling is you stop the pass first and the run is second. Mm. So you build your defense around that. Because I know there's probably been a lot of talk about the fact that when the Eagles were in their five-man front, that they, which had Jordan Davis obviously playing either zero or shade, yep. that they did a really good job stopping the run. And he played 22 snaps, which is about the same number of snaps per game he played in college. Yep. So that's what he'll be for a while now. We'll see. Yeah, and that's the right. thing. is like uh, That's what we're looking at here. Week one, that's what we saw. Right, that's what yep. we saw. But And obviously when they were in that five-man front – they did a good job stopping the run. So the question becomes, you know, people are saying, well, why didn't they stay in that five-man front? You know, and because the rushing numbers looked bad. But as you said, there were a few big runs. Obviously, the 50-yarder, which was, I believe, the second play of the game. Second play of the game. Real, real quick, because I want you to continue yeah. this point, but to, to just put an exclamation point on it. Their five biggest runs, they all went for 10-plus yards. Right. Okay? They had a 50-yarder. That happened on second and eleven. That was the second play of the game. So that's second and eleven, not necessarily a rundown. Right. That's a that's a, a pass down. And by the way, purposes. and and he would say so himself. James Bradbury was in perfect position make to make tackle. that an eight yard gain, and he missed the tackle. I think I almost wanted to like all right, like and then time Epps, out, and then Epps fell down, yeah. and it would have been a fourteen yard gain. And that's the thing right. is like that. What we're what we're saying, what we're talking about. You got to make tackles. You got to get off blocks. Like no matter down distance situation. Correct. Like at the end of the day, and they know that, right? So the players all know that. Coaches all know that. But 50-yarder on 2nd and 11. You had a 16-yarder on 3rd and 10. You had right. a 13-yarder on 2nd and 10. You had an 11-yarder on 2nd and 20. The only one that went for 10-plus on 1st and 10 was the 18-yarder. Uh, I believe it was a Jamal Williams run to the right side. Right. Um, I don't have the details on that play right in front of me. But again, right. just looking at the ones that were really gashing the Eagles, they happened on pass downs, right. so where you would not typically say, yeah, you're, you're right. running the football. But, but the point. larger point of view is that 
you know, you have to think of it tactically this way. So if the pass game is what you're thinking about stopping first, and I guarantee Jonathan Gannon is thinking that way because I know who he, the people he talks to. Particularly and, on second and long and third right, and long. Right, right. Yeah, right. See, if you're going to play with a, with a five-man front, there's too much open space in your secondary because the Eagles are not a high, high percentage man coverage defense. Yep. So they're going to play zone. Now, zone, obviously, every zone now is much more a matchup zone than just pure zone, but it's still zone and there's still voids. So if you're playing with a five-man front, there's fewer people in the secondary. It limits what you can do from it, a coverage standpoint. That is absolutely correct. Yeah. So the thing you want to take most away, which are is the pass and explosive plays in the pass game, you're limiting your options in doing that. Especially because if you're in those five-man fronts, and again, speaking to the limitations, a lot of what you'd be then doing, those edge rushers, those guys that are playing on the outside, right. to play coverage – you're going to have to drop some of those guys some more, more often. And people are upset about that, too. So you can't be upset about Correct. both things. You can't by want the, the five-man front more and then be upset that Hassan Reddick or Josh Sweat or you know Patrick Johnson, whoever's in it, Sam Linebacker or Rush Linebacker, is dropping. And, and to use a term that I heard, and I can't remember where I heard it, but you'd much rather be playing forward with conviction than retreating with right. uncertainty. Yep. Okay? Right. Sure. So – the five-man front, and there was a play, and it was actually a third-down play where they were in a 5-1 front, okay? Yep. They rushed five, and they played three under, three deep, yep. which you could say is a version of cover three, but there's only three underneath defenders. Yep. And Reynolds caught a ball on a corner route, yep. you know, behind the corner, and uh, the safety couldn't get there for 28 yards. Yep. So there's fewer bodies in coverage. When you're playing some form of zone – you know, even there, even when there are match principles, it becomes a matter of space. How much space can you cover? And the fewer people you have, the less space you can cover. But the bottom line point, which people need to take away from this, because I know the whole Jordan Davis and the five-man front thing is, is a big conversation, is that the number one priority now is not stopping the run. Mm -hmm. Yep. And keep one thing in mind. I know the Lions put up 35, and that's too many. Yes. Okay? It goes back to, like, got to make tackles, got to get Eagles, on blocks. Yeah, yes, right. The coaches know that. Yep. We're not saying anything out of school here. But the bottom line point is, Jared Goff only threw for 215 yards. I believe that was the number. Yeah. In a game yeah. in which they had to throw a lot because they were behind. They were behind most of the game. Yeah. So I, I think that, uh, especially, uh, look, there were drives. There was that one drive in the third quarter because uh, the Eagles on third down. If you look at it, some total bad on this game, bad in this game right. on defense. You look at it, the first half again, going back to that that uh, you know that that stretch, they were like I think they were three of eight on third down, so two of eight on third down, yep. really really good. They had that drive in the third quarter. They converted four times. The Eagles could not get off the right, field. Right, right, right. Uh, and you saw like uh, there was the dropped interception from Darius Slay. Slay talked yes, about it yes. after the game, and he said, "Yeah, like." I need to I need to catch that ball. I'm, I'm going right. to be dreaming about that play. Um, you know, there you, had, you had penalties on third down. You had a third and eight that turned into a third and three, and then they were able to convert because of yep. uh, an offsides penalty. It's those like little mistakes. Those are self inflicted wounds that you can't overcome. You ha you have to be able to. You can't let those things mount up. And, 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 and I'm not suggesting drops. it was a great performance on defense. Of course. And yep. and again. One can have a very reasonable debate about the philosophy of how you want to play defense. Yep. You know, that's coaches sit up at night and they, you know, all off season coaches have these conversations yep. of how they want to play. But there's a definite sense around the league now that the pass is what you need to stop first. Yeah. Uh, so putting that conversation aside, was there a player that stood out most to you on defense? Because I had 
a couple that really flashed to me, I thought, and I, I'm interested to get, get your thoughts. Blank slate, who, who's the guy that stood out to you? Wow. Like, like walking away from the tape uh, on defense, this guy stood out. Obviously, you have someone in mind. I've got, I've got, I've got two in mind. I'm interested to see if, uh, if, if you uh, are able to pinpoint one of them. You know, I tell you, a player who always does stand out to me, and I'm always surprised by it, is T.J. Edwards. T.J. Edwards would—he was not one of the two, but he probably would have been number three. I thought T.J. Edwards had a really good game. Yeah, and um, you wouldn't—and that's the thing. So, my, one of my other guys is Kaiser White. I was going to say White. Yeah. So the, the two starting linebackers in a game where right. you know people are, are criticizing right. the run defense, yeah. like were the two guys that on tape stood out right. most to me. And I, I thought, was, yeah. I thought both guys were really, really good yeah. in this game. Um, Kaiser White. I mean, defeating blocks inside yep. and outside. Pass game was outstanding. There was the one play. Um, obviously, he made the he, he made that pick six for Bradbury, uh, knocking the ball up in the air. Uh, on the yeah, and that was a, that was Hawkinson. a total miscommunication, obviously. Yes, right. But I mean, still, they, you got to make, make a play. Yeah. Uh, so n- nice job by yeah. by Kaiser White on that one. There was another one. It was a. Uh, uh, a play action crosser where he had it was play action, so he attacks the run first, realizes it's pass. He flies into his assignment and hunts up a crosser and forces a check down that's dropped. I remember the play. Outstanding. Play I remember from the Kaiser play. White. And it, one of my one of the, my favorite parts. I actually posted the clip on Twitter. You can go and find it. You could see T.J. Edwards running into the play, into the frame at the at the end of it and from the end zone angle, and you see him like pointing at Kaiser and clapping like. Didn't you know, like, also T.J. Edwards have a play where he got his left hand on the ball? He was back. He was, he was back, back side. Back side. Yes. I thought that was a great play. Unbelievable play. And he almost had another one later because uh, on the C.J. Johnson. He's probably not as athletic as yep. you'd like. He seems to play perfectly fine in the pass game. Play speed versus time speed, yeah, man. Like, yeah. I, like he, he reads things so, so well. Yeah, he does. Uh, he's always in pass lanes. Yep. Like I said, he had the PBU yeah. uh, on that one, and he almost had one. It was a, a critical, again, going back to the third down penalties. Uh, they got C.J. Gardner-Johnson on a third down, third down penalty. I thought there was a play, too. It might have been early in the game, and I think they were in quarters okay. where – it was a crossing route. I can't remember who it was to. I think it was a wide receiver. And Epps. I wanted to bring this because Epps was the other guy for me. Epps I, was, I thought Epps well, was awesome. You know how I game. feel about it. I've been I know. Talking about that's it for why two years. I know. That's I've been why talking I, about it for two, I, I was shocked I, you didn't bring it up. But I almost expected now. That's the problem. <laughs> but you know the play I'm talking about? Yes. Gardner Johnson read. was actually the guy who was truly there in coverage because it was to his side yes. of quarters. But Epps read the whole route concept and knew that he could jump it as well or cut it, as they like to say. You, you only and make that made, play right. if you, like, down-distance situation and wide receiver right. split and you're confident right. in your film study and your numbers from that standpoint. Yeah, but you know the way I've spoken about Epps for two years, and yep. I'm so glad he's gotten a chance. And, uh, I, you know, he played well. Yeah. But, I, I, but like I said, I've come to almost to expect that. I, I, he was So, to me, it was like Epps and Kaiser White walking away. Yeah. I was like, man, those guys have yeah. really, really strong games. Epps has gotten so much better as a tackler, too. He had some really nice stops yeah. up close to the line of scrimmage. The one on the slot, on the slot, on the uh, – uh, the slot receiver screen, uh, but also down on the goal line, he had a couple nice yeah, stops. And, uh, you know, it's getting to the point now uh, where I think Epps, and, and we know about Gardner Johnson, where they can kind of be interchangeable. I yeah. mean, you can kind of yeah. use them any way you see fit. Yep, I, I think so. Yeah. I, I'm excited. And look, I know a few of the players talked in the locker room after the game about, yeah, like it was tough, like getting CJ, getting Gardner Johnson, like up to speed from a right, communication right. standpoint, a terminology standpoint, um, but we're only going to be better for it. So I think you can expect more yeah. um, from that safety duo moving forward. Now, that said, let's talk through uh, this Minnesota team. Because um, yeah. this matchup next Monday night is going to be a fun one. Uh, Vikings come off a, a decisive win wow. in division really against the Green Bay Packers. Win. Really impressive on both sides of the football. Um, let's start with the, the Vikings offense. Kevin O'Connell comes in as head coach. 
comes from the Rams uh, and Sean McVay. Expect more 11 personnel uh, which from you this saw. team, which, which we saw. Expect more passing from this team, which I feel like we saw. General takeaways after watching this team against the Packers on Sunday. I think they're a difficult team to, to defend. They're going to be a tough out, yeah, no doubt. They're a really difficult team to defend. Um, they have a really good run game. I mean, Dalvin Cook, to me, he is a downhill velocity runner. And even he's even though he's probably 212, yep. he is a tough guy to tackle because he runs with so much velocity. Yeah. Um, so he's you, also like a tough target to hit because he's like, like like a narrow yeah. frame. So like if, when he's going top speed, he's a, he's just a tough guy. But to he's get not down. a scat back. No, he's not. No, and so you need to bring bodies to him. Yeah, and if he gets through the first level and can generate speed, he is tough to tackle. Um, he looks faster in four too. By the way, the number change. Yes, he does. Yeah. But then you get to the pass game. I mean, you could. I mean, Devontae Adams has been the best receiver in football. You could argue Justin Jefferson is making a case that he's the best receiver in football. Yep, and. Adam Thielen is really, really good. One of the most underrated players in the NFL. And I really like K.J. Osborne. Obviously did not have big numbers this week, but you can't fall asleep on K.J. Osborne. Yep. Um, You know, the tight end situation, losing Conklin, a player I really like, Tyler Conklin. You know, Irv Smith is back. We'll see how he kind of morphs into this, whether he becomes, you know, their version of of Tyler Higbee, who obviously was a factor with the Rams. Not necessarily a high-volume target, but definitely a factor, Fran. Um, We'll see if Smith can become that guy. Uh, You know, that remains to be seen coming off, you know, a major injury. Sure. But... You know, obviously, everybody is going to say going into this game that you have to stop Justin Jefferson, and you do. I'm not saying you don't have to. Huge debut in the offense, had a bunch of th- right. had a bunch of yards, two touchdowns, so a huge debut. For there were a lot of you know miscommunications and busts on the in the Packers secondary. Tough to find a play to break down and say like, okay, this is w- correct because there was a, a, a just a bunch of busts on the back end for Green. Bay. Correct. Um, believe me, we found that out trying to, you know, thinking about the matchup show this week. Right. You know, but those busts, those busts can happen for a reason, right? And right. They, they well, put I thought you the 64-yarder was interesting. I think it was 64 yards, yeah. was it? Uh, yes, the 64-yard touchdown, yeah. I thought that one was interesting because it, it definitely looked like a bust, but I kept watching it. And I was thinking to myself, number one, you had Jefferson screaming at a safety savage. That's advantage Jefferson every day of the week. Yep. And then, because he's such a nuanced, detailed route runner, he kind of leaned and took a step to his left. And right at that moment, Amos, the safety on the other side, was looking at Jefferson. And I think when Jefferson took that step to his left, I don't know what was in Amos's head. I was just watching the play 15 times. Amos, I think, said, you know what? He's going left. He's not going to be coming to me. And so Amos then brought his eyes back down and figured, I'm done with Jefferson. And then, of course, Jefferson cut back over the top of Amos. And, you know, so it looked like a bust. I'm not sure it was. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. The point is, when you play the the Vikings, you and the Eagles are not a pure man team. So a couple of thoughts. They are going to have to have significant match principles in their, in their zone concepts. So what does that mean? They can't let Jefferson run freely through the secondary. Yep. So, so, play, so you're playing zone, but you still have to be able to play man. Yes, essentially you, within that you have to match him based on where he's lined up yep. and the route that he runs. Yeah, don't make it easy for you him. You can't just let him run from one zone to another yep. zone. You, you need to match him. Yep. Uh, so some guys, you know, you pass him, you carry him. You, you know, all those terms you hear in zone, you have to do that. Yep. Now, I don't know if the Eagles will line up slay over him 
this week, and, and the Lions don't have that one guy, obviously, at receiver, yeah. but this week Slay played left corner and Bradbury played right corner. Last year, there were times, there were times Slay did, yeah. even though it wasn't purely man on every snap, yep. they did line up Slay over a big-time number one type Carolina receiver. Carolina DJ Moore was the first week they, they did that, if memory right. serves. Yeah. So my sense is they'll do that just because Slay's also a pretty big guy. Yep. Again, that doesn't mean they're going to be playing man on every snap. Yep. But I think you'll see a lot of help over the top. They'll cheat toward Jefferson because, look, it's the same principle. Jonathan Gannon has made it clear that he does not want to get beat with the big play, does not want to get beat with big plays. So I think they'll do that. Now, they may go into this game and accept Thielen might be the guy that gets targeted a lot. And ideally, he doesn't go off and he's the guy that goes 10 for 150. Yep. But they may accept Thielen at 9 for 101, you know, in the context of, of the holding game, yeah, Jefferson right. down from him being nine for 150, yep. you know. So, but Jefferson, you're going to have to match even in your zone principles. You cannot let him run free through your secondary. Thoughts on uh, on the guy that's kind of the point guard of this offense, uh, Kirk Cousins. What did you see from him in week one? I think he's a very good player. You yeah. know, you and I both know that people talk about he's got a different personality. We're not in the locker room, so yep. we, we can't even address that. But he is a point guard. I mean, he, this is the, the scheme that he had so much. The, 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 uh, this is the bones of a scheme, scheme that he had so much success in in Washington. Well, Kevin O'Connell was on that staff. Yeah, right. Right. Um, as was Sean McVay, where sure. Kevin O'Connell just came from. Exactly. Right. And all those guys point to McVay as kind of the – excuse me, Shanahan is kind of the king of yep, that. Right, yep. Right. So, um, you know, Kirk Cousins is kind of your – Classic ball distributor and executor. Yep. I mean, while he's not going to run around, he's not immobile. I mean, he's not going to, you know, there are times he makes a play here and there. I mean, even on that 64-yarder to Jefferson, he climbed the pocket and made the throw. That was a, And he's falling to, fading to his left, throwing to yes. his right. That was, yes. a, that was a difficult throw, impressive throw. And, you know, I've talked to coaches at the Combine, as you do, and I always hear from coaches that Kirk Cousins has a better arm than, than maybe the general public thinks he has. Right. You wouldn't say it's a gun. Yeah. But people say he's got a pretty good arm. A solid arm. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Uh, he can make all the throws, yep. uh, certainly within the structure of that offense. So, um, you know, we've talked about the run game, uh, you know, and what they can, they can bring. Dalvin Cook, uh, Madison away from the team. He was inactive uh, for, due to a personal issue, I believe. So, um, we'll see. They've got a couple of young backs that are explosive. Uh, Kenny and Wangu. So, wait, uh, Madison's now away from the team? Yeah, he was at the end of the preseason, I believe. He played this week, though. Did he Did he play? Okay. So, yes. he, was, he missed a yeah. chunk of last week. Okay. Uh, he played. So, yeah, but he okay. So he was That's able why, to make it back yeah. for the game. Um, but you have Ty Chandler as well, the rookie uh, from North Carolina. Uh, by the way, I like that kid on tape. Yeah, the kid's in got North some Carolina di- dynamic qualities, yeah. and that's the thing is they, they they've got some depth at running yeah. back. Um, you know, Cook has dealt with some shoulder injuries over the last few years, and so uh, we'll see how they try and uh, manage that uh, moving. And by the way, if Chandler were to play, he's a good receiver as well. Yes, yes, yeah. no no question yeah. about it. Um, offensive line has always been kind of viewed as like an Achilles heel of this I team. I think it's going it's coming to be around. It's making a turn. I don't know what you thought of him. I really liked Ed Ingram, and he was one of the guys when they drafted him, which I believe was the second round. Uh, they He was the uh, second rounder, yes. I, I was, again, it's not a matter of saying, wow, I got it right, because who knows. But I liked his tape a lot at LSU, and I'm not surprised he's the starting right guard. And I think, 
I think, to be honest with you, the center Bradbury is the weakest link there. I think with Darasaw and O'Neal at, at tackle and with Cleveland and Ingram at guard, that, that's they're going to be pretty solid there. I mean, it doesn't always like t- you know tell the right story, but I think when you look at the uh, the draft capital spent on this position, uh, Christian Darasaw, first-round pick, Ezra Cleveland, second-round pick at left guard, uh, Garrett Bradbury, first-rounder, Ed Ingram, second-rounder, Brian O'Neal, second-rounder. High draft choices. They've addressed uh, the offensive they've, they've, line. They've put a lot of effort into yeah. the offensive line. Yeah. They were cut. They cut Wyatt Davis this summer. He was a third round pick. Yeah. They've had other guys that they've kind of cycled in that haven't worked. And it's funny they're, they're, because it's funny how it works because Wyatt Davis, when he came out of Ohio State, which was the year before Ingram, yeah, right? Davis was a guy everybody was saying is oh, a surefire top ten year pick. NFL yeah, starter. Right. Yeah, right. And Ingram was a guy as you recall because it wasn't that long ago in this year's draft that a lot of people who we respect tremendously who do draft work were thinking he's more of a fourth fifth round player right, yep and he's a second round player and, and by the way he had a few bad snaps this week which every rookie is go- on the old line is going to get schooled in the nfl no doubt uh and uh, that's something that again kind of setting up the matchup here for this week i think that's going to be big in the trenches can the eagles win some of these one-on-ones against this minnesota uh offensive line so, impressive performance. Justin Jefferson, great player. Dalvin Cook, great player. Greg, I had a lot of fun watching this defense play against Green Bay. Oh, my God. Uh, it was a really good defensive <laughs> performance against Aaron Rodgers and, and that Packers offense. Obviously, a new-look Packers offense. Uh, they had injuries along the offensive line, so there were some pieces there. But what they did, uh, I thought, was really, really interesting I well. was did not expect what I saw up front. Yeah. I, I kind of expected, because of Ed Donatel coming from Vic Fangio and having that kind of background, I expected to see it. A lot of split safety, which, by the way, they played almost exclusively, Fran. It seemed like every snap was split safety. Yep. Uh, but, and by the way, Harrison Smith, he, he, to talk about still key, a really key and diagnose yes. and the ability to see things almost before they happen, yep. still really good. Yes. But what they did up front, I mean, they were so multiple with their front looks, and they've got some athletes. No doubt. I mean, I remember watching DJ Wonham coming out of South Carolina, and I really like that kid. He's athletic. He's long. He's not even a starter because obviously they've got Zedarius Smith and they've got Daniil Hunter. He's 6'5", 260 and athletic. Like he's Correct. a big boy and yeah. long. He's got yeah. really great length. I mean, he's long and athletic. And who was the player at South Carolina? Because he was not the guy that everybody was watching when he came out two years ago. Who was, who was the other guy in that defense? So, Do you remember? Uh, the, 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 Two falls ago, Kingsley and Oh, it was J.C. Yeah, Horn. Yeah, yeah, J.C. Horn was the corner. Was right. the corner. So, uh, Kingsley and ended up coming out last year's draft. Right, he had a right. bunch of sacks that well, same year with Well, I think one better, better yeah. player than... Yeah. than I mean, yeah, but that's just, just my yeah, opinion. That's, uh, but anyway, one of them is, uh, is long and athletic. Hunter, you know, he's had great success in this league. Yeah. So Darius Smith has had success. I really like Patrick Jones when he came out of Pittsburgh. He's mm. now part of the rotation. Yep. And they move these guys around. Multiple front looks. Five across with either... Zadarius Smith or Patrick Jones, kind of a stand-up joker over the center. Loaded fronts, which means there's three defenders to one side of the center. That's tough. That is, and then there's a lot of different stunt concepts yep. that emanate from that. And that's the thing. So, like, look, if you look purely at like the blitz numbers, they blitz three times according to PFF. They, Throw that out because, like, when you look at all of their different pressure schemes and, like, guys standing up in different areas and, like, moving guys around, yeah, maybe it was only a four-man rush. There were plenty where it was a four-man rush and it was the two off-ball backers that fell out. But, I mean, that's a lot for an offensive line to sort through. Even though it was a straight four-man rush, you had guys lined up in different spots, multiple guys standing up. You didn't know who's coming, who's going. That's just a lot to think about from a mental Rolodex standpoint pre-snap. I agree. You know, when you have so many guys – uh, you know, in the front. You don't know who's coming and who's not. You yep. know they're not all going to come. Yep. 
but you don't know who is and who isn't. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's that's why a lot of coaches call protection sort protection because you've got to kind of sort it out. Yeah. And they try to do that without getting stuck with, you got him, you got him, you got him. Yep. Because if that guy doesn't come, you kind of get stuck. Right. Uh, to me, like, um, you know, I was thinking about the what we have known this identity of this defense to be over the last decade where, you know, Mike Zimmer's there. Okay, it's going to be a lot of pressure. A lot of double mug. A double mug. It's going to be double <coughs> right. A-gap stuff. And everything right. kind of works off that. Right. So, hey, it might be, it's going to be, you're going to see, it's third down, you're going to see double mug. Might be one guy coming, might be two guys coming, might be neither of those guys coming. Maybe they're bringing a safety off the edge. Maybe they're bringing Which, a nickel the way, the off Lions the other corner. Which, by the way, the Lions did a lot of double mug Lions in this did a, game. A, yeah. Lions did a ton of this against the Eagles. But uh, now it's a ton of pressure on third down, but it, it's not the double mug stuff. No, no. It's who's where. It's a, not right. the amoeba defense, but you're lining up some of your best rushers in Hunter and Smith, and you're moving them over guards, and you're moving them over centers, and, and there's a lot to think and about. And even when they just go with a four-man D-line straight look, Yep. They, they put Zadarius Smith a lot inside against guards. And yeah. while the Eagles have two very good guards, he still is a load for guards or center to yep. block one-on-one. And then you factor that in with the fact that you've got Dalvin Tomlinson, Harrison Phillips, uh, Jonathan Bullard, some big bodies I up front. Tomlinson had a really good Tomlinson game. Tomlinson had a good game. I thought Bullard had a good yeah. game. Uh, wearing number 93. He's got a New Jersey number yep. uh, starting the season now. Uh, I think when you look at, at the guys they have up front, that's a, that's a formidable group. And then... You go the second level. You have Eric Hendricks and Jordan Hicks there, and they they Jordan Hicks really is good. still a good player. Jordan Hicks is a good player. Yeah, there's no question. Um, you mentioned that in the in the secondary, very very much it was like too high shell uh, yeah. across the board. And Patrick Peterson is not what he was. No, no, no. but uh, still a, a very veteran, a savvy corner. Right, and again of, because he's not being asked to play a lot of man coverage now. Yeah, I mean Christian Watson uh, obviously ran, ran right by, by him on the play. first play of the game, yeah. which God. That's a tough uh, drop. Oh, <laughs> That's a tough drop for a rookie, I know. man. Uh, you know, I don't know how many more targets he saw the rest I, of that game. I well, it's funny them. you say that because there were two plays in which he was clearly open yeah. and, and Rodgers looked at him and just didn't throw him the ball. Yeah, it'll take some time, I think. Yeah, yeah, one, yeah, uh, unfortunately. yeah. I was a big Christian Watson guy, but you got you to you catch that one. Yeah. Um, so I think to me, uh, you know, again, reflecting back on what they've been, under Zimmer, there was a lot, especially late, like yeah. the, the last few years, a lot of quarters, but it, it felt like a lot of like static quarters. It wasn't right. necessarily. This is, not, like, this the, is different. The quarters different deal. now that is sort of from the Fangio school is not static. No, this is much different. We're not going to get into the weeds because you yes. almost have to see it to really get a feel. Yep. But it's not static. Yep. Uh, so uh, you mentioned Harrison Smith, uh, Cam Bynum. Who's a pretty uh, good player. He's another savvy. He was a corner at Cal. Yes. And they moved him to safety because I thought he was a really good college player who just didn't have the physical the and athletic to traits yeah, to play on sure. the outside yep. in the NFL, but a really savvy player. And the one thing that I, I don't know if you remember him at Cal, he was a physical corner. Very physical, yes. And that obviously works at safety. No doubt. So uh, they drafted Lewis Seen in the first round. He was inactive due to a late right. uh, developing I'm injury last week. I'm curious to see week. how that plays out yeah. because Bynum's a good player. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be tough to, to yeah. send him to the pines. Yeah. So, uh, I think when you look at those two safeties, uh, former Eagle Chandon Sullivan, uh, now the nickel corner there. Who was with Green Bay a year ago and actually was pretty good at Green Bay. Yeah, so a yeah. solid nickel corner. So yeah. um, this is great. It's a, this is a tough group it's on both sides. It, it, this is a pretty good team. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm excited to continue breaking them down. Um, the outstanding stuff from you, as always, uh, diving into the weeds here with us on this Minnesota Vikings team and what they're going to bring to Philadelphia, to Lincoln Financial Field on Monday night. Greg, uh, we'll be breaking it down next week. Uh, a little bit different. We'll do it a, a day later. We'll catch right. up next Tuesday uh, here on the Eagle Island. And I know Scott you'll Podcast. start uh, tail, tailgating, what, 9 in the morning next month? Oh, you know, I'll be out there. We'll say 8 a.m. Okay, there you go. <laughs>
Great stuff there from Greg, who you can follow on Twitter, just like I do, at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I'm at EaglesXOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's Nose content that we produce here with Eagles Entertainment. You know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on any form of social media. That's one way to support the show, but the best way is to go on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you listen. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. If you've got a question, leave it there. We'll answer it here in an upcoming episode. Like I said, you can be at the top of the queue. Head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a question in the comment box. We will answer it here on the very next episode. Thanks again to Greg and all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast for every Everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you later this week.